43 years she's been serving faithfully in Indonesia. And uh, she told me that she's in town because her mother still lives here in Pittsburgh. She grew up in Allison Park. Isn't that cool? Let's just thank God for that, man. What, what a great, great lady. I am just... I just, I get overwhelmed when you're around people that have just been so faithful. She's just been out there serving God faithfully over, overseas. God tugged on her heart and she said, okay, God, I'm going to do what you told me to do. And she hasn't stopped. And there's no, no fanfare. It's not too exciting, but she's showing up every day. Wow, I'm honored by the people of God. That's why I love my church. You get around people like that. See, this is, we are his ecclesia. We are his called out ones. It's not the building. It's people like Karen Worth. It's people like you. It's the family of God. He's called us out to be on his mission, and we get to work together. And I just, I'm just so thankful for that. As, uh, as we continue, you know, last week we talked about the great news I love my church because we're, we're, we're all about the great news, and that's what, that's what the message of Jesus is. It is great news. The great news is that he died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever. It is done. It is finished. And so he gives you this opportunity to trust him and to have eternal life. And that's our message. That's our mission. Our mission here at the church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're watching that happen all over the place. People are coming to Christ at an exciting time here. It's a very exciting time. We're watching many people come to Christ. Many people are starting to plug in. They're becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And so today I'd like to continue with, a, with two main thoughts today uh, as to why I love my church. And as you're thinking about loving your church, I want you to think about it not in I love it because I get something out of it. I want you to think of it, I love it because this is God's family, this is God's people, and I love it. I unconditionally love the church whenever things are good and whenever things are bad. When things are high, when things are low, I love my church. And you see, it's kind of like in a marriage. It's a, 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 like in a, a, in a marriage relationship. You love your wife when things are good. You love your wife when things aren't good, okay? And that's what God's called us to be, the family of God. So I've been around this church since 1976, right? And, uh, and so I've seen, I've seen good days. I've seen hard days. And you know what? I can tell you that I love my church. Because this is where God's changed my life. Because these are the people that God has placed around me. We are his called out ones. And God does radical things in our life as we just come together. Somebody would care enough for a young boy to invite him to come to church. And, and so that's what happened to me. I, I came to church at the invitation of, uh, of people who cared for me. And so I've been here ever since. And so I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to be on mission with us and love our church. It is a blessing to have this church. Can we thank God this morning for this church? Let's just thank him. What a great God we serve. <clears throat> Two main thoughts today. The first main thought, if you're, if you're taking notes on the back of the bulletin, the first fill in the blank is that we love the next generation. We love the next generation. Uh, this church has always had a passion for young people. And we will keep that in our DNA. We will, this, this is who we are. This is what makes us, what makes us tick. What makes us move forward is caring for the next generation. We are a multi-generational church. 
We have people of all ages. Uh, the church has been around here for just about 50 years here in this community. So we have people that have been in the church. There are many people that have been here for 30, 40 years and, and are still faithful. I, uh, in the first, first hour, we have a row in the back, and I always refer to them as the 80s row because they told me you have to be 80 to sit in that row, okay? And, uh, and I'll, I'm always teasing them, and, uh, and they're like, well, you know, if you want to sit with us, we'll give you an honorary pass today, right? And, uh, and so, but listen, the church is filled with people of all different ages, from all different generations, and that's what makes this place very, very unique. We have people that have been here for 40 years, and they tell me every Sunday, we're just so thankful to see the young people in the church. We're so thankful to see the next generation moving in because they know that they're not going to be around much longer. They know that, they know that their days are numbered and that, and that one day they'll be stepping out of what God has called them to do here and they will be in, be in eternity. So they, they get excited whenever they see young kids running around the church. They get excited when they see young couples coming in. They are thrilled. And so whenever I hear that, man, that, that just fires me up as the pastor. I'm like, yeah, this is exciting because we are multi-generational. And, uh, and so from the time I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, they ran these buses all over Pittsburgh. I think they had 23 buses at one point that went all over Pittsburgh. You come from Mount Washington. You come from California, Pennsylvania. You come from Monongahela, Bethel Park. If there was a place a bus could stop and you could get on it, they would bring you to church. And that, that's how I came to church. And so we had all these buses. And they would do crazy games on those buses. Like, uh, you know, they would hand out, you know, donuts. Of course, you've heard about that before, right? They'd hand out donuts, and that's how I got started coming to church. They'd hand out, I remember they had the giant slow pokes. You know, if you brought a friend, you get this giant slow poke. You know, remember that little slow poke candy you used to eat? Well, they had them on steroids. It was like this giant slow poke. And they would do just things like this all the time. There'd be all kind of fun and competition. We'd be singing. I would learn so many songs. I'd sing songs. You know, from here to Dormont, where I grew up, was about a half hour to 40 minutes, depending on how the bus road, right? And so they would just do all these crazy games with us because the bus was filled with kids. None of our parents came. <laughs> there was like five parents on the bus. Most of us were kids. And so we came in on the bus. And I'll tell you what, I have found, I found Jesus here because somebody cared enough to reach the next generation. I, I'm, I'm looking around the church. I see several families that are still here today from those days whenever the bus pulled into their neighborhood and said, jump on the bus. I see Michelle Slagle, Mark's wife, Michelle. And, uh, you know, I remember Michelle talking about her and Brian. Where's Brian? Brian was around here earlier. Michelle and Brian, brother and sister, they, they started coming to church before their parents did. They, it was like, yeah, jump on the bus. And, and now, look, we're all here still. Now we're reaching the next generation. We don't, we don't have 23 buses to do it anymore. It's a, it's a little bit different, right? But we're reaching the next generation. And so there's a number of people around that like that. And that's why I can tell you, I absolutely love this place because we are reaching the next generation. We've always been concerned about the next generation. And let me give you what God says about the next generation. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell, tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. There it is. He says, do not hide this from the children. Do not just, we don't just have, there, there's not just room downstairs so the kids don't make noise in the auditorium. The kids are in classrooms so that they can hear about the wondrous deeds of Jesus. 
And so when we come together on Sunday, we have people, there's people caring for your children downstairs both hours on Sunday and on Wednesday. And listen, we come, we do this faithfully. And it it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of energy. Why? Because we care enough about the next generation. We know that God has told us, look, tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. So week in and week out, we're telling them, we're giving them God's word. We teach them the, the, uh, the stories of the, of the Bible, the truths of God's word. We give it to them in their life, and they can take it home. Many of you are involved. Some of you were down there teaching this morning, uh, helping out with the children. Uh, I'm going to throw up here, the, this, this next slide is a, our logo for Canopy Kids. It's an absolutely fun place. I tell people, Canopy Kids is where your kids will love church. They will absolutely love church. And when your kids go downstairs, you can ask two questions on the way home. And this is what parents typically ask. Did you have fun, number one? And number two, what did you learn? And when you ask those questions, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Most of the time, they have a good time. Every now and then, you have a bad day, right? But most of the time, they have a good time. And you'll always hear a bottom line truth from God's word. You always hear it. You'll hear them talk about that God loves me, that God cares for me, that I didn't love my neighbor. And so, the, the, and, and, and a Bible verse. And so it's like, this is what we are all about. Uh, the, this next slide is from Wednesday night. You know, on Wednesday nights up here, so, so we have on Sunday morning, we have nursery through fourth grade, both hours downstairs as part of Canopy Kids. And so the, this is just a, a picture of the bunch of the kids that come out on Wednesday night. And I'm like, what a blessing it is that we, number one, have people who will come in and care for them, who will come and teach them and love them. And number two, give them a bunch of crazy glasses like that. You look under, they have all these glasses that had something to do with their lesson. And so I'm, I remember I was, they were all coming out. I thought that they were going to a tanning bed, you know? That's what the glasses look like, those tanning bed glasses. And so they're, they're coming out and they're, they're all excited about what, you know, about church and they're, and they're, they're having fun. And, and they're, you know, I'll stand on the porch and these kids are grabbing me, you know, they're pulling on, pulling on my, uh, you know, pulling on you and just wanting to love you and, and just, just wanting to high five and want to know their names. And, and look, God's doing some powerful things in this church, folks. And, and so we start in the nursery. Do you know why we have a nursery at the church? Not just so it's quiet in the auditorium. I know you appreciate that. But that's not why we have a nursery. We have a nursery so that we can begin to get to know the kids. Wow, sometimes we forget about that. We want to start to know the children's name as early as possible. So some of you have a baby and you just start, you start bringing your baby. Maybe your baby's two months old downstairs. Maybe your baby's four months old. Uh, the first, you know, as soon as you'll let us start watching your babies, we'll have your babies downstairs, right? And, and so why do we do that? Because we want to start to get to know them. We want them to know the family of God. We want to start pouring into them, start caring for them. And we want you to have a, a great experience where you can come up here as an adult and you say, oh man, I have an hour of peace. <laughs> I have an hour of quiet where I can worship the Lord myself or where I can take in God's word. And then they move on, they go, they go into, uh, after they come out of our infant and toddler nurseries, then they start to go into classrooms. And in those classrooms, they're age graded and they have a lot of fun. They're highly interactive. And what, what is happening? We have people who come in here every week and they're praying over your kids' names. We ask our people to pray over your kids' names. So they're praying and they're saying, Lord, please with Johnny today. Please be with Susie. Please with Sally. And, they, and they're praying over the names. And whenever they come in and, and your kid comes in and your kid's new, they start to learn your name. 
And so what happens is, and they, and they tell them about Jesus. And they tell them how that Jesus loves them and how that Jesus will change their life and how that Jesus can direct their life. And it's the most powerful time of their life. That's, uh, that's, what, our can- that's what we do here in Canopy Kids up through, up through fourth grade. And so th- this is pretty exciting. I want, I want to encourage you, if, uh, if you're looking for a place to serve, jump into one of these places. Because this is where lives are being changed. This, this is an opportunity to come in and shape a child for Jesus Christ. To give him the good news before life gets crazy. Because as most of you know, life gets a little crazy, doesn't it? After we get a little bit older, times change, right? All of a sudden, it's like maybe 16 years old, life gets crazy. Maybe 20 years old, life gets crazy. Maybe 40, it's still crazy, right? And so we keep going through life, and life is challenging. So we try to to give them Jesus so that we can do what Psalm 78.4 said, that we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his mighty power, about his mighty wonders. And I, I'm telling you folks, after I come up here on Wednesday night and I see some of our workers that are tired, but when I see the kids going home and they're like excited about Jesus, I go home and I say, God, thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord because you're still alive. And we were able to tell these young kids how powerful you are. What a privilege this is, folks. We care enough about the next generation that we sacrifice to be here Wednesday night. We sacrifice Sunday morning. It takes a lot. You could be doing many other things, but we are here. You're sacrificing bringing your children in. And so it's like, wow, look at the lives that are being transformed. God is so good. Can we thank God for our our children's ministry workers? We thank God for them. And then, then the, the next slide I have here, this is what's going on with our teenagers. We're, we're reaching the next generation. We have Route 56. That's where fifth and sixth graders, they meet on Sunday morning at, at 9.30 over in the gymnasium. And then they come in here. They typically sit down over here. Let's thank God for the fifth and sixth graders over here, all right? They're scattered all over the place right now. We have a few of them here. Some are at sports practices. They're all over the place this season. But, you know, typically I look down and I see a whole bunch of these kids are all together. We love you guys. We thank God for you. This is why the church exists is for these fifth and sixth graders to know Jesus. And so they meet over there on Sunday from 9.30 to 10.30. They come over here. And then, and then on Wednesday night, they come back at 6.30 in the gymnasium. And these people are caring for them. They're loving them. They bring their friends. They're, I went in the gym the other day. There was like, there's like kids everywhere. It was awesome. Why? Because the next generation is important to us. They're important to God. They're important to us. And then they move over to the ramp. The ramp is the 7th and 8th graders. And, uh, and so this is where 7th and 8th graders come. They meet on Sunday in the gym as well from 9.30 to 10.30. And then they come over here. And we're so thanking God for, for, for our 7th and 8th graders. And, and there, there's a powerful time. This is where they can plug in, where they can get to meet other people their age, where they can get to hear God's word applied in a teenage application. Just like I did whenever somebody said, would you go to church for a donut? And then when I was a teenager, they had to move it up to pizza. <laughs> you see what happens? And then on Wednesday night, they're upstairs at the gym, and they take over the gym, 5th and 6th, 7th and 8th. And then we have this next group. It's called Elevate. That's our ninth through 12th graders. You know what our ninth through 12th graders do? They come in, and they meet over in the gymnasium. We're out of space. They, they're behind a curtain on the main floor. 
Uh, There's kids growing. They're taking over the whole place. That's what we want. We want them to own this place. Whenever I was a kid, we owned this place. We didn't know adults came to this church. (laughs) All I knew is that there was young people here, and this was a place that I could find God. And so, so they own it. They, they meet on Sunday morning at 9.30, our high schoolers, and then they come back on Wednesday night. We go over to our, 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 our teen center over there in library. It's where this church started like over 50 years ago. And so it's renovated inside. It, they got a snack bar. It's all teenish. It's exciting. They're playing music. It's, it, it sounds like a teenage zone because it is. And why? Because we want them to love Jesus. And so as we do all this, why do we sacrifice Sunday? Why do we sacrifice Wednesday? Why do we do this? Because it's worth it. Because your kids are worth it. Because God said in Psalm 78, he says, do not hide these truths from the next generation, but tell the glorious deeds of the Lord. Tell about his mighty power. And in order to do this, folks, we have to understand that it's going to take radical generosity. Uh, The second thing tonight, second major thought tonight, this morning, is that I love my church because we love to be radically generous. We love to be radically generous. Do you you understand what it means for people that are in their 80s to embrace a next generation that is so far removed from how they lived? It takes generosity. It takes kindness. It takes saying, well, it's not the way it used to be. It's not the way I used to like it, but I love my church. I love my kids. I love seeing the kids around the church. I love seeing young families come in. I'll help out in the nursery. I'll jump in wherever because I am radically generous. And so when we talk about generosity, the first thing that comes to your mind is money. But I want to open that door wider than money because it's not just money. It's, it's your person. It's giving of yourself. It's giving of your time. It takes time. It takes, it takes a little bit of energy to learn somebody's name. It takes energy to understand who our kids are. It takes energy to, to, to help young parents through the problems that they are going through. It takes energy in mops, the, the, the mentors that are over there helping in mops to, to, to help listen to some of these young moms as they're, they're just happy to have an adult to talk to every now and then, right? They, they've got these kids in their home and, and all these kids, and it's just like, wow, it takes energy. We come and we come alongside them and we love them generosity we give of ourselves, we give of our time we give of our talents we give of our treasures we give of it all freely knowing that God has made us to be generous I will we'll make people we make people priority in the church so people are priority your kids are priority your priority and it comes from the generosity of God so generosity is me whenever I give it's you whenever you give so we give unto the Lord and so why can we be generous? How, how can I encourage you to be generous this morning? Is this here. Number one, God guarantees to meet all our needs. Would you read that with me? God guarantees to meet all our needs. This is a powerful principle. I'm really excited. The next series that we're going to start next week. Today's our last of I Love My Church. Next week we're starting a series, The Real God. We're going to be looking at God's character. We're just going to look at who he is and try to understand what he has done. And so as we look through scriptures, as we look through God's word, his revelation to us, we're going to understand his character. But this is one I want you to catch today is that God is our provider. And he promised, he guarantees to meet all your needs, okay? 
Uh, Philippians 4.19 says this. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I've told you before that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So sometimes I'll say, God, can we just have steak tonight, right? And that's not how it works. Because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills doesn't mean that he gives us everything you want. He gives us what you need. For example, the missionaries in Haiti, they're down there in Haiti, and we'll go down and we'll, you know, you want to have some steak in, um, not in Haiti, down in Ecuador. You want to have some steak in Ecuador? Um, no, you don't want to have steak in Ecuador. It's not very good. You, you go down there and, and, and you say, you know, I'll have steak, and it's like this real thin steak, and, you know, and you're ripping it with your teeth. It's like, uh, you know, please pass the rice, you know. It's, it's just different, right? So, so, um, you know, when Fernando was here from Ecuador, I took him out to get a steak, you know. I said, let me show you what steak is. And he's cutting a steak. He goes, oh, brother, thank you so much. Why? Because they don't have that luxury over there. God provides his needs, not his wants. God provides my needs, not my wants. It doesn't mean that I will get what I want all the time and in my time. It means that God will provide my need. Now, this is an ultimate lesson of trust. I'm going to leave this verse up here, and I'm going to just read to you the verses preceding this verse. Because there's a context that I want you to catch here. Philippians 4, 14. Paul is, what he's doing in Philippians is he's writing a thank you note. The church at Philippi had given to him. And so he's writing a thank you note. He's saying, hey, thank you guys. I appreciate what you have done for me. And so as, as he writes this thank you note, I want you to catch it. He says, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of my acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. So, in other words, I was out and about, and I had needs, and so you guys shared with me, and I want to thank you for that. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, when I was in another town, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. So you heard about my need, and you took care of me. Not that I'm looking for a gift. I'm not even looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account, he says, I'm looking forward to, I, w- I want you to know that as you've given to me, God sees that. As you have been generous to me, God sees it, and God is, God is pleased with it. Verse 18, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply su- supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They're like a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. They're pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. One paraphrase of that verse says it like this. It says that you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeds your generosity in the glory that pours from Jesus. Folks, the reason that God has called us to be generous, okay, is because it's a heart issue. God's given me 100% of what I own. He's given me 100% of my time. He's given me 100% of my health, 100% of my energy. And whenever I expend some of that and I give to somebody else, okay, 
what happens is it becomes a matter of the heart. And I'm saying, God, I trust you more that you are more generous than I am. And God says that. I, I want to encourage you. You know, somebody asked, you know, uh, you know, how much should I give? Let me, let me just share this with you. You cannot outgive God. Uh, from time to time, my kids will we'll have this discussion in our family when we get around the birthday gift to Jesus time. And they'll say, how much should I give? And I'm like, I don't know. No, Dad, tell me, really, how much should I give? Well, do you need money to go, go to work? You got better save some for gas to get in the car, right? In other words, listen, when we give to God, you cannot outgive him. His generosity exceeds yours. So when we are coming and you are volunteering and you're giving of your time, God says, trust me, I got this covered. When you give of your, your finances, he says, trust me, I got this covered. When you give of your energy, you know, there's some nights I come home and I'm like, I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to do anything tonight. Wednesday at 5.15, I'm facing a battle. I don't want to come back up at, at 6.30. Why? Because I'm tired. Because my energy's low. God says, give your energy. Watch what I'll do to you. So I, I get in the car. I'm like, God, you know I don't want to go tonight. I'm tired. So do you, because it's Wednesday. And when you get up here, all of a sudden, God gives you more energy. You see that? Because you gave when your account was low. You made a sacrifice, and all of a sudden, God says, I am going to do something powerful. And, and then I go home, and I'm wired, and I can't sleep, you know? After Wednesday nights, I'm like, man, I saw these people up here, and I saw that. And so, same with a life group. I go to life group. Man, every time I go to go to life group, it's like, man, I am really tired. Man, I went to life group on Thursday night. I was blessed. I was blessed by the food they had, too. That was kind of a good, good deal, you know? They always make around these life groups, you know? It's the DNA of the church, donuts. They, my life group had breakfast on Thursday night. I just want you to know that, all right? So, but anyhow, it, it, it's really exciting. And so what happens is I come together, and we're, we're just sitting around the table. We're talking, and we're encouraged. So I get in the car, and I'm like, man, I was so happy to be with the people of God. And because So as you give, God gives you what you need. He supplies that need. And I'll take it a step further. Because with God being generous, he has done more than meet my needs. His generosity has exceeded my needs. So I want to encourage you that you cannot outgive God. His generosity exceeds yours. Uh, the person of Jesus, number one. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin once for all forever. And he gives you eternal life could there be any greater act of generosity than what Jesus did on the cross? He left heaven. He took on the form of a man. He lived a perfect life, and he lays down his life so that you may have eternal life. And he does it with his arms wide open, and he gives you eternal life if you'll just open your heart and trust him. Uh, the, the second is in the person, uh, not only the person of Jesus, but in the provision of Jesus he says, according to his riches. And so that means all of your needs. Over in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, the, the, the scriptures tell us to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your purchase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. You look at that and you say, wait a minute. He says to give what is first, not what is last. Have you ever noticed there's never anything left at the end of the month? You know, you get your paycheck and then you start going through all your bills. If you wait to be generous with God, 
it'll be the last. It'll be the very last. And then it won't happen. And it may happen randomly. God says, give the first. Give the first. And look what he says here. It's kind of wild because the condition is, is if you give, then your barns will be filled. You, God will take care of you. Your needs will be met. So honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled. This is how he works. So what he's saying is, look, if you will honor the Lord with your time, with your talents, with your treasures, and you give him the top, he says he'll, he'll replace it. He's the one who gives you next week's and the week after and the week after. And the week after. And so God is your provider, not your company, not your boss. God is your provider. So as we come to him, we give to him. So as you come and you give him energy, he gives you more energy. As you come and you give him time, he, he shows you, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with your time. And so let, let me just show you this here um, over in John 12, 1 and 2. The, the John 12 shows a powerful, powerful moment of generosity. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. The man, had raised him, uh, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. This is the last week of Jesus' life. He had risen, uh, he, he had risen uh, Lazarus from the dead, and now the, the word's getting out, uh, and so they're having, this is kind of like the thank you party, and so it was prepared in his honor, and so they're, they're coming around, and they're, and, and they're having this big time. Lazarus was there with them. Uh, John 12, 3, continuing on. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And she, anointed, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Then the house was filled with the fragrance. Now, I want you to catch this. This is, the, this is one of those um, essential oils. Anybody ever buy essential oils? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you out there. You know, you, you get that little tiny bottle. My wife and I were at a conference, and, uh, and we, had, we had a headache. And, and some lady gave her this little tiny vial. It's like this. And it said, use it sparingly. It's essential oil. It's peppermint oil. Just put one drop behind your ear and your headache will disappear. It took me about five or six drops. Had a big headache that day, right? And so you know how, you know how much that that, 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 that stuff costs? It's costly. If you go to these essential oil parties or whatever, that stuff's not cheap. I see you know, a couple of our guys, they have them in vaporizers and there's stuff blown all over the place. I'm like, I used to put Vic Sab in that stuff. Now you've got to have essential oils, right? This was one of those essential oils. But it wasn't this much. It was 12 ounces. The value of that was 300 denarii, which was a whole year's salary. And so Mary comes before Jesus, and she sees that this is, this is Jesus, and she's going to be generous to him. They're having this party. It's in honor of Jesus. After all, he did rise Lazarus from the dead. And so he opens, she opens the jar, and she washes his feet with this, and then she takes her hair. And for a Jewish woman to let her hair, hair down, to open it out of the braiding, that was taboo. 
That was unheard of. It sent cultural signs that were not good. And she said, I don't care. I am going to love my master. And so she opens up her hair and she lets down her hair and she washes the feet of Jesus with this expensive perfume. And I want you to catch this because it's a real sign of generosity. When we are generous, number one, it is precious to us. When we, are pre- when we are generous with your time, when we are generous with your energy, with forgiveness, listen, all these things, these are things that we give out. As we are generous, guess what God does? He says, I understand this was valued to you. There was something that, that, that you had and you are giving it up. So it is precious to you. This is what it was to her. It was precious to her. And then secondly, it, it is pleasant to others. Look at what the scripture says. It says that the house was filled with the fragrance. Of course, it was spike nerd. And as they open up the spike nerd, they open up this essence of nerd, she, she, of nard, nerd, <laughs> essence of nard, right? As you open up the essence of nard, she's got this down, and it's got this fragrance that's just filling the place. And I want you to catch this because when we are generous, this is what happens. The house becomes filled with the fragrance. You know what Paul said over, and I just read it a little bit ago in Philippians 4.18. He said that your gifts, your gifts are a fragrant offering pleasing to God. Wow. Generosity. We love to be generous at this church. It's pleasing to others. It's pleasant to others. Other people get excited because of the generosity. And then look here at verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. In other words, he says, that's a waste. That's a waste. And you know what? To some people, your generosity will be puzzling. It will be perplexing. They'll say, why do you give? Why do you give to God? Why, why do you give of your time? Why do you give of your talents? What, what, don't you have other stuff you could be doing? Why would you give over there when you could be giving over here? And, and it's like, wow. You know, at the end of the day, some will be like Judas. Judas was a thief. Look at the next verse, verse 6 here. It says that Judas, not that he cared for the poor... Not that Judas cared for the poor. He was a thief. What does a thief do? A thief takes from me. He's only concerned about me. And, and, and this is their whole drive. It's me, it's me, it's me. And I'm not going to let go of anything. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take what you have because I need more. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. John's giving you a little insight to, to, to the character of Judas here. And then verse 7, check this out. This is so cool. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Mary didn't know anything about the burial. She was doing something, and God, Jesus said, listen, leave her alone. She's preparing me for this burial. And she's probably sitting there going, what are you talking about? I was just generous. And here's what I want you to catch. That number one, whenever we are generous, God is excited about your generosity. It's pleasing to Christ. He says, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. The other thing I want you to catch in there is that when you're generous, you'll never know. You will never know the need that you're meeting. She didn't know that Jesus was going to die on Friday. 
She's just being generous. She's just caring and loving. It's, it's the response of her heart. She didn't know that, that she would be remembered for this. She didn't understand that. And she says, uh, and he's, he says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He was going to go to the cross. He would ascend into heaven. So as we wrap up this, this morning, I want you to remember this, that God will use generosity to transform you. God uses generosity to transform you. When you give, when you give of your time, you give of your talent, you give of your energy, you give of yourself, you give of relationship, God says, I will be more generous than you. God uses generosity. That's the next fill in the blank on your back of the paper there. God uses generosity to transform you. We are never more like Jesus than when we give. Never. Never. God's not looking at your prayer journal. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. He wants to see you open your heart, let go of these things that we're so attached to in this world. We give him our time. We give him our talent. We give him our treasures. This morning as we close, I want to show you a few pictures here. These, these pictures here. This is from Fernando, who was just here a few weeks ago. Fernando has the, the this is the Operation Christmas Child. And so he, he has this here. These are the boxes. Do you recognize those boxes? We packed many of them. We sent 350 of them out last year. We sent 400 the year out before. And, and they're all over the place. They're all over the world. He gets them and he goes, we'll go to the next picture. Check this out. And he tells them the gospel of Jesus. This is in Ecuador. This is a missionary that we know and that we love. And as we're, we're going to be packing these things here in a few weeks, that's why I love my church, because we're committed to what God is committed to. We're committed to bringing people to Jesus Christ. So they take them these boxes, and it opens up an opportunity for them to tell them about Jesus. And then these kids come to Jesus overseas. Go to the next one here. Just look at this. Look, look at them all excited as they get pencils erasers little trinkets and God uses your generosity to open up hearts around the world it's just like when Mary put that on Jesus and Jesus said she's preparing me for my burial you're going to put stuff in a box in a few months and it's going to go overseas you're going to put stuff in an offering plate it's going to go overseas you're going to come in you're going to love a child in Sunday school you're going to love a neighbor you're going to care you're going to cut somebody's grass as you give you don't have a clue what God's doing says but I do but I do let's close in prayer with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning I want to invite you to Jesus maybe you're here and you say Pastor Ken I need to accept God's gift today he died on the cross and he paid for your sins he came back to life again it's the greatest gift of generosity so if that's you in this room this morning, you say, wow, Pastor Ken, I need to open my heart to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer, and, and I'm going to ask that you quietly pray that with me. Just open your heart to God. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, Pastor Ken, I need Jesus. Would you pray this with me? With no one looking around, just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you today. I'm a sinner I've done wrong things. And I trust you that you died on the cross 
that you paid for my sin. Thank you for paying for my sin, for coming back to life again. And I invite you into my life right now. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If this morning you prayed that prayer with me and you were serious about it, you're calling on the Lord, I'd like to remember you in a closing prayer. Would you, would you just lift your hand up and down? And I'll just, uh, I'll just pray for you. God bless you. Are there others? Just lift your hand up and down. I'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Three, four. All over this building, five, six. Look at that. God is just moving. He's working in your heart this morning. Would you just pray this morning, seven, eight. Look at what God's doing all over this building today. God is moving. In our first service, we had six or seven people come to Jesus this morning. We've had seven or eight here this morning. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, can we give God thanks this morning? Let's just thank him for what he's doing in this place. Father God, be with your people, Lord, as we have just seen a move of God Almighty, Lord. You are shaking people's hearts. Thank you for the most generous gift of Jesus Christ. That you would die on the cross and that you would pay for our sin. Lord, be with those folks today that raised their hand. The seven or eight in the service this morning that just raised their hand. Lord, they are taking a step of faith. They've invited you into their life. Lord, For in our first service, the, those six people, Lord, that opened their heart. God, we just lift this up to you. What a showering of your grace and your blessing. That we would see more than 10 or 12 people come to know you this weekend. Lord, we praise you and we bless you. You've been so good to us. Lord, help us as we seek to just be like you, to give, to let go, and to watch you just be even more generous than we are. God, be with your people, Lord. Whatever you're speaking to our congregation, Lord, take it home with them tonight, Lord. As they're, as they're, as they're doing before they go to bed, Lord, would you whisper in their ear, tell them, how to be generous in whatever way, whether it's with a neighbor, volunteering to serve, giving a gift, whatever you're going to do, Lord, work powerfully. In your precious name we pray.